Welcome, everyone. You are in for a fucking treat on this one. I, I think, like every podcast I had are my favorite. I think this one was amazing because I didn't know Liam before. I didn't have a conversation with Liam until what three, four, five, probably seven weeks ago through DMs, and then now pressing record and having a brutal, honest conversation about the field and uh, our aspiration, how we got into it, and what we want to make to, or what we want to do to make a change. I am looking forward to see what's going to happen next for him. Uh, the conversation was amazing. We, I think it's the fr- longest podcast I had so far here, um, and it was such a treat. Liam is based out of Ottawa, does amazing work over there. Make sure you follow him. He is a super smart dude. We... He's been, like, since last year, he's been taking courses after courses after courses and just ready to apply his craft. If you're in Ottawa, make sure you check out Liam. Without further ado, next on deck, we got your 613 RMT, Mr. Liam, and enjoy the show. What's going on, man? How you doing? I love how you made your hair for me today, man. I showered, shaved, did everything for you, bro. Yeah. Like, this is the first actual interaction outside of wearing a mask. Awesome. Oh, so I, uh, <laughs> I was like, I gotta shave, I gotta make sure it's a little presentable, so we're good to go. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Oh, wow. Love it, man. Dude. Love how it's, like, in your ba- in your garage of gains, too, man. Oh, yeah. This is, A, where I get the best Wi-Fi reception. And, oh. uh... B, it, my girlfriend's upstairs enjoying her Saturday, so I didn't want to ruin her Saturday with our yelling and mumbo jumbo for the next however long. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, that's the most important thing, right? Get the best Wi Fi reception in the garage of games. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love this little spot. It's not big, but it gets the job done. Man, like it, it. yeah, hard, man. I, I think it's fucking cool how the internet works, too, because, like, we were like, I saw your stuff reposted on thing on the shallows and prescript stuff. And I'm like, oh man, he's in Ottawa. This is, this is my town kind of. And I'm like, I was super pumped to link up with you like through the DMS and the power of the good old Instagram. And I'm pumped like to have you on man. And share. I'm pumped to be here. Pumped to be here. It's uh, exciting. I listened to quite a few of the episodes already that you put out and I really like the way the conversations go and the things you dive into. I think they're really good. Man, well, thanks, dude. It's uh, just screaming stuff in the internet, man. Like, <laughs> and just, just rambling. Yeah, well, I think it's it's super important, right? Like, um, as massage therapy, it or as massage therapy as a modality is growing, I think it's very important we we have some new age massage therapists talking about it. I agree. There's definitely a lot uh, to massage therapy that I think is going in all these different directions. Um, And I think getting out of what people stigmatize massage therapy as is definitely kind of where I want to go with the profession. I know it's very similar to what you want to do too, right? Um, Where it's more performance-based, more rehab-based, as opposed to that very underlying sort of stigmatism that comes with massage therapy as this relaxing sort of spa like type treatment um but i don't know about you but anybody that comes to see me knows that they're not 
they're not leaving there without some sort of discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'm pretty pumped to, to have a chat with you today because let's just say we're not normal dudes. Like we get in, inside of a room and we're just like gotta go through the door sideways and like, it's not that typical and then very stereotypical like small individual or like usually massage therapy well when i was growing up it was like oftentimes a small girl yeah right and yeah. nothing wrong i don't want to say nothing wrong or stigmatize something here or it was just that that was the stereotype very much so yeah same thing when i was growing up too it was uh you never really associated guys of our stature as you know an rmt Man. It just wasn't it just wasn't a thing, right? You know, you see physios, you see chiros, you see athletic therapists who are, you know, built in a similar way to us, but you never really saw RMTs like that growing up. Yeah, and then uh, I think it was uh, when I got to Sudbury, I saw some dudes, massage therapists here that were going through the program, and they were like lifting weights. I'm like, ooh, I, I want to know you. I want to be friends <laughs> with you. And I, that's the how. I, my interest got picked after like being a, that my interest got picked at that point. And then when I realized I could do school in a year and a half versus six years of, instead of becoming a physio and then understanding the power and the scope of massage therapy, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is the way. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It was, uh, for me, it was, it was, it was similar, right? Like I going, growing up, I was always, I was in every sport you can possibly imagine and I was a glass house for a long time I was just something always going on with me I was always getting hurt there was always something uh, <laughs> preventing me from actually doing a lot of things that I wanted to do um, and just the whole rehab uh, you know behind all my athleticism uh, played a huge role in where I was able to get to with sports and everything like that. And I knew that I always wanted to do something in the healthcare field, A, because I was never going to work at a desk. I just knew that was not in my future. And <laughs> working it? for somebody did not appeal to me whatsoever. <laughs> okay, man. Working at, like, I, I want to dive into, like, your, how you got to massage therapy, but, like, as a meathead, I'm, I'm a very big meathead, and I'm sure you are too. You're like, how can I figure a way to keep lifting weights and getting paid at doing that? And then at one point, we all think, I'm sure it went through the meathead, the, the, through the head of every meathead was like, oh, I could work an eight hour day behind a desk and like have time to train. And, and then, yeah. oh, actually, I could work five to six hours a day, four to five probably six hours a day or work three days, three or four days out of a week. And then just give the rawest meathead on the planet on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was, I always enjoyed training. So figuring out, you know, a way to really get that into my schedule. And I never wanted it to be, I never wanted to work and then, you know, hate what I did. Like that was just never, something and i'm sure you see this with clients all the time they work their eight hour day at work and the best part about their day is when they get to leave i never wanted that i always wanted something that i enjoyed doing from the moment i got there to the moment i left and 
I think being in the healthcare field in an industry that A is oversaturated, but B is always, there's always advances yeah. in the science behind physical therapy. Um, it just keeps you wanting to learn more and it keeps you advancing higher and higher. And I enjoy learning. Like I really like to learn, but I don't like the way the educational system teaches. I'll get behind that, man. Same here, man. I don't fit, <laughs> I don't fit inside of that, that box. Well, I think any person that becomes a, an entrepreneur, well, entrepreneur, it's kind of weird to say as a massage therapist, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like being close into that sandbox of like, okay, this is got to, how you got to operate. And that's how the education is going to go for the next three years. Whatever the program you follow, this is got to, how you operate. And then you're like, actually, when I was in the other sandbox, walking 10 minutes a day was really beneficial for people. And then you're telling me I got to do a passive treatment when the problem is an active treatment. Like they're already sitting down eight hours a day. Anyway, that's me ranting. How you got to massage? Like, how did you find massage therapy? Um, so like, it's rare for dudes to get involved in this. And I'm going to say it's very stereotypical. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, when I was growing up, like I said earlier, I played every sport under the sun and I was always injured. There's always something going on, um, mainly because I was that typical meathead who wouldn't stop, even though, you know, their ankle was being held together with a roll of tape and just, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't stopping. So I was always injured. I never let myself recover. And a huge part of my life was physiotherapy, athletic therapy and massage therapy. And when I was originally going through school, um, high school, I took everything that would allow me to get into university to um, some sort of undergrad that could let me go down the physiotherapy route. Because originally I wanted to be a physiotherapist. Um, ended up not getting in here in Ottawa, but was got in somewhere else, but couldn't afford to go there. And Is that your undergrad? That, yeah, so I actually didn't do an undergrad. Okay. Yeah, so I did. I went. I went straight to. Algonquin for the three-year massage therapy program uh, oh, wow. because of all those things. Yeah, yeah. So I never ended up going to do an undergrad in university. And sorry, then I found out that the physio. No, it's all good. Sorry, then, uh, same thing to me. <laughs> like when I told them I'm going to college, and then they're like, "Oh, massage therapy." They're like, "You sure you don't want to go physio?" I'm like, "University is not for me. Fuck that." Yeah, and that was the thing. As soon as I figured out that I would, I would have struggled hard in university um because i'm very very hands-on and uh i just i knew that university wasn't going to be for me um i'm not somebody that can sit down and read a book and learn something i need to i need to do it i need to physically do it uh that's how i learn best so not getting into any of the programs here in ottawa not really being able to afford to go elsewhere i knew that if i didn't do something right out of high school i was never going back to school so I wanted a, a post-secondary education just to further my learning, but I knew that I had to find something that piqued my interest. And massage therapy came up and I said, you know what, I'll give it a try. I've had a lot of it in the past and it's really helped me. So I gave it a shot and then went through all three years, ended up 
really enjoying what I did and the gratification that I got from actually seeing people walk out of treatments, you know, better than they were when they came in was something that I always enjoyed and really pushed me to have a love for the, for my career. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. How'd you, how'd you find the schooling at Algonquin? I really liked it. I thought they did an amazing job with everything. They really, even though you're in class sizes of about 20, which I mean, compared to university is not that big whatsoever. They really made it like individualized. Um, the professors and, and the teachers there would always go above and help you afterwards. And I really benefited from that because I was always the kid. I'd ask a hundred questions. I was that kid. I'm so happy. So I, teachers hated me through high school because if I didn't get something, I'd keep asking questions until I understood. Uh, but whereas at Algonquin, I would actually like, I'd sit down and I'd have conversations with my teachers and we'd go through things step-by-step step to figure out why I wasn't picking it up or why I wasn't learning these things. Um, and just the whole experience going to Algonquin was very, very uh, enlightening because I was taught by people who cared, which really, I think, instilled that into me and what I do for my practice now. Um, really, I really care, I'm really passionate. And I think I got a lot of that from my teachers at Algonquin, to be honest. And, and like, I think it's this, such an important factor for college students, right? Like whatever the program you're going through, I don't give a shit if you're going to university, if your teacher doesn't care about what you're going to do and better the field. Uh, I think it's Jordan Shallow says it. Like, if you don't leave, if you don't better the field for the people behind, like coming up, like you're just an imposter or something, like something along those lines, right? Yeah. So, uh, same here for me, man. I went to like on the other side of Woodruff, or like on Carling, the private college there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know uh, that one. Fucking prison, man. I did not like that. No way. Oh, man. It was just, it, okay. Well, I liked, there's a lot of pros. The pros outweighed the cons. I was done in a year and a half. And at a point, like I was, I was at, I went to massage therapy. I was 24, 25. So like I was done very, very fast. And mm-hmm. it was just like eight to five, Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday. I was just like, I don't want to like that steady of a job, regardless of it out. Why do you put me into this? Um, but that like, and then being in that environment was a very negative environment, but the teacher, the teachers were like amazing. Same thing for you. They were like, creating such a big value and content for the students coming out at, uh, of the program. I think that's huge. I think in any, like you said, in any program, it doesn't matter whether you're at college or university, the level of education comes down to how much do they actually care about teaching you and how much do they want to make sure that you succeed in the future is kind of how the path of education should be paved. I mean, we both took a prescript course. And I mean, I think it's, it's safe to say that it's the best course I think I've probably ever taken. Uh, information we're wise. Biased. We're very biased, but. Super, super biased. But um, you can tell how passionate, you know, Jordan Shallow, Killian Hamilton, Jordan Jinta. Um, Stu. Uh, Stu, yeah. It's actually funny. I, I, uh, I know Stu from Ottawa. I used to 
I played rugby with and against oh, him. Oh, you played rugby with him? Yeah. Well, not with him. I was more against him. He was <laughs> quite terrifying on the field, to be completely honest. <laughs> it's like <laughs> watching, a, watching a refrigerator run at you. Um, but just the passion they have for what they do really comes out in the way they teach. And it really resonated with me. And I think I learned more from that course than I did through a lot of what I was taught in college. And I think like the way they, they, they had reps and reps and reps and reps. Yeah, for sure. Like we got to respect that they've been perfecting that craft and like now everyone's taking it the course now they're like oh i'm on board captain like where do i go right it's like kind of like the the next wave of like where do i go professor x like yeah absolutely but like and that's the thing with, with anybody who cares right they will provide a service or they'll provide an education or they'll provide whatever that resonates with everybody. And I think that's what they're doing. And it, it gets you thinking different ways, which I think is really, really um, important, especially in today's society when there are so many different avenues you can take with treatment. And it's, you know, being able to think critically about certain situations is paramount. If you can't do that, then your ability to provide individualized treatments for people goes out the window and then you become this cookie cutter where it's like take copy this paste here copy this paste here and that's not what healthcare should be no yeah exactly we're like we're all different whoever like whoever like the natural selection and i guess charles darwin shit didn't make it far enough into you that that yet but like we're all different at one point and if you're all treating people the same fucking way, you're just making a disservice. And like, that's why one thing why I hated school or the treatment class. Cause I was just like, this homie has low back pain. Why should I treat him in this way, that way? Probably the fact that he's weak, it's cause he's not strong enough or unstable or like, okay, cool. He has a full range of motion, but did we assess mobility? Did we assess the stability of that joint? Mm-hmm. No, anywhere. And I think that's a very important point to talk about before we move on about on that conversation. It's like we, they narrowed down the, the stability component really well. Yes, absolutely. Right? Like, do you remember a point in school you're like, oh, you, you, they don't talk about stability at all? Yeah, not really. I mean, you just take one page of like that, right? Next, I'm like, hey, you got to make sure you're stable. Cool, next. Yeah, it was more about just, it was more strengthening than stability. And they really tried to, I feel like, use the exercises to strengthen things and formatted that into stability when stability is a completely different can of worms, right? It's not necessarily about strengthening. Um, Personally, I think it's more about proprioceptive feedback, right? The ability for your body to feel comfortable in greater degrees of instability. Is there a strength component there? Absolutely. But there's also a mobility component there, right? If you don't have that range of motion, how can you use any sort of strengthening to improve your stability, right? So it's like all these things kind of come together. And if you're looking just at one component, you don't really get the big picture. 
Whereas if you're looking at everything as a whole, then you can get a big picture and then start to make more individualized uh, decisions based on the path that you're trying to create for recovery or for uh, improving performance or for whatever. Yeah, man, I like it, man. I like that. And like, it's weird because like those are courses or like, because that's the thing that frustrates me a lot with education about massage therapy where just get like a slight overview of pretty much everything and then okay cool you got the diploma you got the license go play and yeah and then it's 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 up to us to continue mm-hmm. right there's i think there's a lot of people that go through whatever uh course they're going through and then they just they stay complacent and that's fine i mean if that's what you want to do if you, if you don't have a problem doing it then you know that's all power to you but um i think that if you really want to succeed not necessarily succeed but uh leave a mark you need to continue to broaden your horizon and you need to continue to feed yourself full of relevant information that allows you to move up as opposed to just stay where kind of that base level is right like as, as a you know massage therapist, like you said, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. We get a brief overview of a lot of shit. <laughs> like the amount we go through, um, and I'm sure you, you went through a lot more intensively in a year and a half, right? Exactly. So like three years, I think was honestly probably one of the better decisions. <laughs> well, like it's stretched, it's stretched like, you're, you, you, like you graduate high school and you went to massage therapy. Yeah. Which is like the best way possible, right? I was like 24. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with school. Like that's that's the last go. One year, a year and a half. That's what I have. We had a we had a chick in our like not a chick, sorry, a girl in our program. Graduate high school and went for that what year and a half program. Poor her, poor soul. <laughs> yeah, the thing I like about Algonquin though is that you couldn't take the two year program because there's a two year and a three year. You yeah. couldn't take the two-year if you didn't have some sort of post-secondary education prior. Oh, wow. Yeah. So actually, I have a lot of friends. Some of my closest friends now are people who are in the intensive program, the two-year program, because at the end of our three-year, uh, their second year is our third year. So they just push us together. And so like a lot of my good friends are actually uh, people who are in the intensive program who weren't actually in my original first two years, but then came into my third year and have now since been really good friends of mine nice man nice that's so cool um what's the biggest thing like as like since you graduated because you you graduated for a while now yeah i graduated in 2016 oh shit. yeah i wrote my exam oh geez i got my my license certificate in september of 2016 I i can't remember exactly when i wrote my exams but they were in the summer at some point i was stressing the fuck out <laughs> dude isn't it the weirdest thing man like showing up for that and like writing on a computer i hated it it sucked <laughs> it was horrible i hate i hate those tests um i was actually more comfortable with the whole practical bell ringer thing than i was sitting at a computer writing a multiple choice exam was- yo man did, like I'm going to segue to this, man, for the, both of those exams. I'm the practical, I did the practical first 
and like pre-game jitters, man. Like I was stressing the fuck out. I'm in the little restaurant in the bottom having a coffee with my girlfriend. Yep. I am alone going through my notes and she's just my bubble. I guess I was too, it was too big. I couldn't have like people in my like six feet apart type of deal. Like just a reference <laughs> over here. Um, and, and I told her, I'm like reading my thing. She didn't say a word. She was just having a coffee, looking through her feet of whatever she was at the time. And I told her, hey, you got to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sorry, that time out. Sorry, my bad. I'll go upstairs. I love you, honey. See you, up- see you in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. The same thing fucking happened with like the, the MCQ. Me and my buddy, we're just sitting down and we're just like very chill. And then there's a girl having, and like, I don't blame her. Like we're just in a stupid room and she's having the pregame jitters. Oh yeah. The mental breakdown. Mental breakdown. And I'm like, who are we going to fight? I thought we were just in front of a computer. How was it? How was that experience for you though? Oh, the, honestly, I tried to time it so that I was waiting the least amount possible because I knew as soon as I got into a room with other people who were freaking out I was going to start going off the wall so I tried to spend the least amount of time in that scenario as possible um but yeah the MCQ for me was the worst part you go you wait to call you up and then you go sit at a computer and then you have to wait for everybody else to sit before you can start and I just I'm one of the one of those people that just would rather get it over with just walk in, do it, get out. Man, I fill up that box of like why I choose that option every single fucking question. Yeah. I was just like, I'm not redoing this process again. I'm going to really tell you why this is right, the right answer. Yep. According to my own opinions. And yes. And hopefully that sways the answer to actually be what I want it to be. Hey, I passed and hey, money. <laughs> uh, yep, I passed. I never looked back. Yeah. So I forgot everything. Dude. <laughs> man, like my first I passed that exam and then there's another guy with the same name as me in Sudbury who has a DUI and has a law. <laughs> so I had to do like the full pictures for my like my license and all that, like the painter, the pictures, the fingerprints. So I waited like I think I I got the news in August, but I only started practicing in November. Okay. My first case shows up on my table. Uh, cluster headaches i'm like oh my god this is far <laughs> this is far so uh just to come back to the, the original conversation um mm-hmm. what courses you took since 2016 other than the prescripts yeah so i took um graston technique was the oh, first sorry. yeah it was the first course i took uh, my girlfriend and i actually took it together also oh, so you took an rmt also she's a physio she's oh a so, uh, going at each other's head uh, once in a while? <laughs> not quite. Not as much as you would think. But she definitely knows how to uh, sneak her foot into my hand if she wants a foot rub. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, yeah. So, but no, she's, uh, she actually, she works at the hospital. So, she's uh, oh, not yeah. in private practice. So, she, she does more of the, the rehab stuff at the hospital, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so we did Graston. That was that was actually a weekend. So I had my, my M1 uh, in that. And then, oh man, it's been a long time. 
I took uh, an MET course for uh, pelvic and hip alignment and stability. Uh, so MET is a muscle energy technique. Oh, sweet. Uh, with Who's the guy in Ottawa who's like super... So I actually, I didn't take it with, with that guy. I know exactly who you're talking about, but the, his the name is escaping me. I think it's Sean. Uh, yeah, Sean, uh, whatever. Something, I can't remember, but I took it with, with somebody else. Um, but I just wanted to get like the, the gist of what the technique is about. And after that whole course, that was, that was another weekend course, which was fun. It was really good to really kind of work on, you know, making sure that the pelvic's in a good, pelvis, sorry, is in a good position uh, for when you're moving, walking, breathing, all this kind of stuff. And then I took a cuffing course. So I do cuffing as well. Um, I really like using cuffing in treatment. I think it's super, super effective. Uh, especially for fascial work. And uh, then after cupping, I took the PSL level one course. Um, and while I was doing that, I also took a business course uh, from a guy named Kyle Trainer. He's the guy I tag you in all the time. All the time. Super, super good guy. Super awesome. Um, I only, and, uh, I've only been listening to him on like, I didn't know he had his own podcast yeah until like uh jordan and killian was on it and i'm like dude the guy's just on another level yeah he's honestly he opened my mind to business i know like in massage school you have like one class at the last part of your schooling about business and stuff so uh when i found out that i could take this course i signed up for it immediately and uh kyle has been nothing but amazing his whole team is incredible so shout out to kyle trainer um and his, uh, his business, Elite Vitality, there. If you're looking to learn anything about business, he's the guy to go to. Uh, he's, he's the only guy I will go to now for anything business related. Uh, he's, come, he's, got, he's got me as a, a client for life. Um, but he, like, like I said, fantastic. Uh, so I did that, that. And then starting Monday, I'm doing the skill acquisition course with Kevin nice. Hamilton. Dude, you'll love it so much, man. Yeah, I'm super excited. I really like the way Killian goes about the whole exercise, progression, regression, and like neurological bank account, like all that kind of stuff, I think is extremely valuable. Man, like how I got into that course, uh, I was starting to dab into a bit, a bit of stuff. And then I saw Killian, who was in Toronto, like Toronto is not far away from where I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh man, like this guy's like on something because the pre-script like there's pretty much international everywhere and so I, and then we start talking about med ball and the power of having low neurological demand to high demand and i'm like i'm all about it because i'm teaching a skill acquisition course in college where mm -hmm. the health and fitness promo program and i'm like okay i want to learn about about that a lot more and like we with weightlifting with, with my training it's all about skill acquisition how can better you can be better at a skill and I just got hooked. And then when the announcement, I'm like, hey man, like when's the deadline? I think he posted that the pre-sale came or like when they announced it, I was like, all right, the same day I purchased it. I was like, yeah, I gotta do this. Yep. I did the same thing. As soon as that second, as soon as he finished, I think was, as soon as he finished your group, as soon as he posted that it was up again, I, I jumped right on it. And it's so weird. Cause like, like, uh, so right now, but it's so weird because like we never got taught that again in school. We were like, okay, can you squat? And 
like I'm looking forward because right now I'm doing a mentorship with Killian. Mm-hmm. How's that going? Dude, it's pretty cool. Like having someone who did. So for, for me, I, I wear different hats in a lot of different situations. Like I'm a massage therapist, I'm a strength and conditioning coach, and then I can't forget, like I'm an athlete too. Very competitive, like in weightlifting. Mm-hmm. So like managing all those different hats and having con- deep conversation with Killian and how, how can I get myself more time to train? So it's been really cool. It's been pushing a lot of ideas in my brain and mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like very excited to to keep that growing and keep working with him on this. That's awesome. Yeah, and and like at the end of the day, I think as a young therapist trying to figure my shit out, I just want to be I and like I just want to be around more people that are doing their shit or creating a yeah. Crime, right. Yeah, like-minded people. Yeah, you want to surround yourself with like-minded people for sure. Yeah, and. And I think, like, I'm excited because, like, I I want to do the PSL level one too later mm-hmm. this year, just to double down on the skill acquisition and link the skill acquisition to like the more biomechanics uh, standpoint of things. Yeah. What courses have you taken, man? Man, so it was weird. Like, I took a lot of courses as a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. So I took like a deaf, like for people that are uh, deaf. Is that like, I don't know if I'm saying, so I took death fit like level one and two. So I was able to like train people that weren't uh, able to speak or hear. So that was pretty neat. Did, uh, did several taping courses. Um, then I took like a, uh, like the, the physio clinic I was working at, they had like a, for stockings for socks courses and fitting for that and braces when I was an assistant physio I was able to do that um, took some biomechanics course then took a like a rock tape course to fit to complete it and then as soon as I finished that course I was just like okay this is all good and I stopped taking courses after that because I'm like this that the realization I was I was spending money in courses and courses mm-hmm. get certification or try to be better at my craft but I was not being able to utilize those in a day-to-day practice gotcha yeah I think it's super important to take like take courses that you can implement in your day-to-day practice right um otherwise when are you using them yeah like I I've got I want to do cupping course I got the uh the scraping course I ISATM or whatever there's a bunch of different ones. Yeah, and then I got yeah. the the other one I got it was the FMS course. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I only use with teams when I assess like strength for the strength and conditioning teams I work with. Because mm-hmm. okay. it's like, auto generates everything instead of me picking a brain at everything. Gotcha. If I have twenty kids to like do an assessment on, I think it's the easiest way to do an assessment fast. Okay pretty decent and cover uh the bases um and yeah so like when i finished that course i was just like okay well i gotta be associated with a mind of thoughts or because like i'm thinking picking brains of different school or educational system but i think like it's not on it like there was a lot of stuff i wasn't agreeing with Mm. or selling the picture on some stuff and i'm like this is not honest like this isn't good and then i fall into 
the RX Radio podcast. I'm like, oh, those guys, I like those. They called people out. <laughs> I love this. Like, call people on their shit. And like now it's been like saving money for being in that school of thoughts. Cause I, I like yeah. uh like I want I'll, I'll definitely do the the next this is the PSL one and then I want to do the weightlifting one and then the barbell course also. Because okay. again, I don't want to pick their brains and understand why they're thinking that way and a bit more. Because like the the weightlifting certification in Ontario, I don't know if you dabbed into that, but like oh, I haven't. it's a long ass process. Like you got to take an athlete from a local competition to a provincial competition to a national competition to be recognized as a coach for weightlifting. Yes. Really? Yes. It's a long ass process. Which doesn't is sound efficient whatsoever. So, so I got to make some motion about it. I, I think it's great. Cause like you actually learn and apply concepts over time to get that athlete to that level. The thing is, it's like, which athlete wants to commit two years to go to nationals? Yeah, finding somebody to who already knows they want to go down that route, I'm sure, can be pretty difficult. So, so like, I want to do the weightlifting course and the barbell course to understand programming for that. Mm -hmm. Because, again, if I could stop working as many hours as I do with massage and just have a bit more, like, online clients, strength and conditioning, my hands don't get wrecked so I could train a bit more. Fair. So do you have a strength and conditioning certification? So I got my personal training certification. Okay. Um, and then I'm in the process of getting a strength and conditioning certification. Okay. Which uh, personal training certificate do you get? Uh, so in school, we had the, uh, what is it called? Uh, OFC, Ontario Fitness Council one. Okay. So it was like, basically, it was, they, it was, they were attached with Good Life for a while, the, the CanFit Pro. Oh, okay, gotcha. And then for Kenton Pro or the CSEP one, whatever the big one of those three, one of those two. And then someone was just like, oh, he got there's shit happened with like CEOs and he opened his own certification. Gotcha. And I was okay. like, because oh. I'm, look, I'm looking to do, I want to get my personal training certificate just to say I have that. Um, so it's good to know. Like, it's so weird too, right? Like, just getting a certification just to get the the letters or it's and it's all it's it's awful because like yeah but like i think if i would have to redo it i probably could just get my canfit pro just to say you have it right yeah just to have it and then a lot of like companies or people understand the canfit mm -hmm. like average folks that come in they understand canfit Cause when I was applying for like jobs as a PT uh, or personal, as a personal trainer, a CPT, um, just to get the letters right. <laughs> yeah, the PT in the other room. <laughs> yeah. I know they don't like, they don't like that very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, uh, it was just like, they don't recognize, they weren't recognizing the Ontario Fitness Council one. So I think I would just get, get a national personal training certification. Uh, well, that's like the goal, getting a national certification. Because, and also like, the, it's weird, right? Like with massage therapy, you pretty much know the ins and out of the, the myology and the muscles. 
And then with the other course you're doing, you know, all like, especially the course you've been doing, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's like, I have, I have a good understanding of how it all works. I just need to have the certification to say I can do that kind of stuff. So I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. You know what I mean? mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, man, I want to like, what's a, what's your thoughts on like the, uh, muscle energy pelvis to like the prescript one. Because this so, is talking about stability, right? It's mm -hmm. so the, the, the muscle energy technique was really cool in the sense that they showed us how you can do certain things through muscle activation that allowed for you to position uh, the pelvis into a position where it was at its most advantageous. Um, and then combining that with everything that prescript uh, taught me, it, it kind of go, it goes very much hand in hand, right? So like the muscle energy technique course was very much around sort of like the uh, activation and relaxation, uh, reciprocal and autogenic inhibition style type uh, muscle stimulants to elicit the change in the actual structural alignment um, of the pelvis. So when we were going through that portion of the prescript lecture, all these little light bulbs started going off. I was like, oh, hey, this makes so much sense now, right? It, when you're trying, you know, for, for example, if somebody's stuck with an anterior pelvic tilt, um, doing the certain reciprocal inhibitions to turn off, you know, the hip flexors, to allow for a posterior tilt or to shut off the quads to allow the hip flexors to open up to do a posterior pelvic tilt so that now you can activate your glutes more efficiently um, instead of you know using your hamstrings and your adductors to do what your glutes are supposed to do all because of the position of your pelvis that's so, so it was cool. yeah so it, it was a really it was a lot of sort of like little light bulbs that were going off. So I was like, oh, I, I, you know, I remember this stuff. I use this stuff a lot. And then they just went into a more in depth of how the actual biomechanics work. And it, it all made sense to me, right? It all makes sense. And um, I, like, I like to say like, it kind of gave me a little bit of extra vision because now when I look at how people move, I can physically see, you know, how the femur sits in the acetabulum as it goes into flexion. Um, and when you get into like the different degrees of, you know, flexion, extension, adduction, abduction, interaction, or rotation, you can kind of see where they start to hit these limitations and where, uh, they start to compensate, whether, you know, they're compensating in the low back or they're compensating at the knee, um, which is giving them some sort of pain. Right. So it, it was, uh, it was really eye opening and allowed for that big general picture to be painted right as you watch somebody move because i know jordan shallow talks about all the time about seeing arcs you know in the gym he, he looks at exercises as like strength curves and stuff like that um and now i mean thanks <laughs> thanks to them i can't look at movements any other way other than you know the direction in which a force is being applied that's having a effect on joints above below usually areas of injury or um, in, in some cases, what a lot I'm trying to do with now with my business is we're going more into like an injury risk management. And this is something that Jordan Shallow talks about a lot. Um, injury risk management over 
injury prevention because if you actually look at it, you can't prevent injury, right? The only way you could potentially prevent injury is if you sit on your ass at home and don't do anything physical. But if you sit on your ass at home and don't do anything physical, as soon as you stand up to go to the bathroom, you're probably going to hurt something. So are you really preventing anything? No. Um, but I taking that, I love that. Yeah. I love you for saying this. So, <laughs> so it, you know, taking that margin uh, for injury and trying to make it as small as possible is, in a lot of ways, how you're going to allow somebody to perform on a day to day level without without having this high risk of injury. Um, and I think going into anyone who wants to be physical, physically active. And by physically active, I mean, if you want to be able to go for a walk when you're 90 years old, if you want to be able to get up off a toilet without having somebody peel you off the seat, right? Because you can't physically do it yourself. The importance of maintaining physical activity comes down to how many limitations do you have that, that, you know, that prevent you from being active. And so I think a lot of what, as a healthcare practitioner, it's my job to take that margin and try and make it as small as possible. So that way people can do these things when they're older and they don't have to worry about all these limitations, right? If you want to go out for a run, you're not worried about twisting your ankle or your low back hurting, right? If you can do the things that you enjoy doing, you can pick your grandkids up, you can pick your kids up. Um, or, I mean, you can go and play sports. You can, you know, your, your performance doesn't have to be directly related to, you know, on the field, on the court. If, in my opinion, performance is the ability to perform movements and activities with a low risk of injury. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think performance is a the thing we're meant to do as healthcare practitioners. How can you decrease the chances of injury as much as possible so you're not afraid of doing shit? Exactly. Like I had a client this morning. He came in. It's a new client. So, and I say that to pretty much every new client. And I'm like, so how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. So what's your goal with today's treatment? Whatever their goal is going to be. And then I'm like, okay, so my goal is not to see you more than I need to. Agreed. A really bad business model. All right. You know, yes, this is something I want to dive into. But really good business models, because if they're not here anymore, they're going to send their friend who's been sitting on their desk, cash checks for the last 30 years and be like, hey, go see my man over here. He's going to help you out. And that's way better to me. Yeah, I complete. I couldn't agree more. I always said from the get go, my business model was to work myself out of a business. Yes. I, I know that sounds kind of counterproductive, but. I want to be, and I want, you know, my business to be associated with people improving their, their function, not a place where you go to two times a week, every week for the rest of your life, because we're not doing anything for you, but we keep telling you to come back. So I would rather have people come to me when they need me. Um, because it's for a maintenance uh, approach as opposed to they feel like they need to come to me because without me they don't have any relief right it's almost like a dependency thing i don't want my clients to be dependent on my service on services uh 
on a weekly basis to get them to do what they want to do, right? If they need to come to see me for a few weeks back to back to get them to a point where now we can give them everything they need to do at home. So that way they can a stop spending money, stop, you know, stop wasting their time and getting back to doing everything that they love to do. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, it's a no brainer. Yeah, man. Like, especially that we're, we're seeing it from the athletic standpoint too, right? Cause like, man, what's the worst thing? Like I'm dealing with a low back injury right now. Well, low back injury. I'm still dealing with my fucking shoulder thing. I, I talked to you about not too long ago, man. Like it's really? still, Oh yeah, dude. Getting overhead right now. I, like, I can't do, I haven't been able to do any cleans or snatches. Like I, I just can't get overhead right now. Oh really? Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been, that's been my own struggle with, <laughs> with everything. Well, right. Okay. Well, that's going to go really well with what I was going to say. Like this week I've seen three healthcare practitioners one that was very average two was this one was very average another one was very very cautious and the other one was very very active mm-hmm. and i don't want to go in details here but i'm going to play on the side of caution as much as i can but if i feel go hey this turn on the switch turn on the jets living the life quarter miles at a time like as an athlete, I was meant to go until I can't go anymore. Hmm. If you're taking, Absolutely. if, if, and I, I don't like that. And I don't like having my practice of taking away things of clients either. I just say, I try and limit, you know, as much. I want to be able to give them as, as much as they can handle without taking away things that they like to do. Mm-hmm. So, and then that's super important, right? Like, so I, I got to deal with something I've got to be very, very cautious about. But if I'm doing good, if I do my ex, like the rehab protocol or the injury risk management program, I'm setting myself up for, hey, I'm turning on the jets and I'm going to live the way that I can. Mm-hmm. So, and being in this role, it just like doubles down on what I, like what we want to offer. I think we're very similar in this. Like, okay, cool. I'm nursing and for you, you're nursing a shoulder injury. You're like, okay. If everything feels good, well, I'll try to get overhead or try to get as overhead as I can be for today. Like for me, I was, uh, I was dealing with a low back injury and I did that open 21.4 <laughs> and like warm up felt good. Hips feels great. De- did that complex at 315. Sayonara. Done. <laughs> Done. Felt good. I don't have any pain right now. Like I'm probably going to go for a walk and like making sure like I'm not sitting on my ass for the rest of the day, but I'm just going to be making sure I get enough awareness and empowerment for my part on my end as a client mm-hmm. to make sure I do my due diligence, not to be stuck on the couch again. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, a huge part about being a healthcare practitioner and as a health care practitioner, we're bad at this ourselves, uh, but practicing what we preach. Right. Um, and I think as we go, right. Like, the way I treat is how I'll treat myself, right? Like my shoulder hurts, but if there's a day, like you said, where it feels good, I'm going, I'm going overhead, right? Because I think it's important that on those days that it feels good and on those days that you can, you should, because that's what's going to improve in the long run. And if we're going at this from like a neurological mental standpoint, 
there's nothing worse than hitting that plateau or regressing in a recovery that just makes you feel like shit. So doing things that you can, even though it may put a little bit of a regression, but in the long run, it's going to allow you to progress. I think that's something that, uh, you know, needs to be talked about, needs to be said more think, often than it is. And I think especially now too, especially now, because like, I don't know for you, but if you're in lockdown and you're dealing with a fucking injury and like the only thing you, and you're taking all the fun from training or like, and so like the, right now, the only thing you could do, is going for a walk. going to be even worse. Yeah. Right. Like it's at first, like, uh, it was like a four week block to make sure like I'm recovered. Took me a week and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try that again. And then I felt good. I have to go because you don't want to lose sight of the big picture of like having fun training. Exactly. If you're taking away all the things like, all right, if you're too cautious, you're losing the fun out of it. You're losing the motivation out of it. And Mm -hmm you're probably going to lose interest also. Absolutely. And I think that goes with, with whether you're training or whether you're rehabbing something. Yeah. I, have fun, right? Don't, don't limit yourself to the point where you don't have any fun because nobody's is, that's not going to, that's not going to be something that sticks. If you can find a way to get the same results by doing things you like to do, the chances of you continuing that for the rest of your life are very high as opposed to like, if you know, you're giving somebody something that they absolutely hate doing and they were, they, you know, they regret getting up every morning to do these exercises. How long do you think they're actually going to do these? Mm-hmm. They're not going to do them very long. Right. Um, so giving people that individualized approach and making sure that they're enjoying what they're doing, they're having fun and they're getting results. Uh, it's huge. What was, uh, how'd you learn that lesson right away? Like, did you already always come to, to, to rehab with that approach? Or like at one point you're like, oh, I've been doing this wrong for a while. Got to change. I, I always had that approach. That okay. was always my big approach. And I think it's, it has a lot to do with how I was as an athlete. Um, because I, I never hated, I always, sorry, I always hated taking time away. If I was ever injured, there was nothing I hated more than not being able to train or not being able to be a part of practice. Like there was nothing that frustrated me more. So even before I was an RMT, I was always going about my rehab in a way that I enjoyed doing it because I knew it was something that was going to make me better. And I knew it was something that was going to get me back faster. And if I enjoyed doing it, it meant that I was going to be more persistent at it. Nice. Nice. I like that. I like that. Cause it's so, it's so sad, right? When you just keep the dog on the leash and then too long and then lost interest is like, ah, whatever. Exactly. And there's, if, if you're always in that sort if you're always sort of on that leash and you're never allowed off the leash, you never have a taste for, you know, the freedom, the fun, to do whatever you just want to do, right? Once you get that taste and you have to come back and say, okay, you know, I got to do this for a little bit so that I can go back and have that freedom and do those things, right? It's like that story of the Buddha, a Buddha story, right? Have you dabbled into this? I don't think I know that one. Okay, so it's basically uh, 
and I'm probably going to butcher this, but uh, I read The Barbell Buddha, great book, kind of like, if like I got introduced to like fitness through Barbell Shrug, or like Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like Chris Moore's book, and the story is basically the king was protecting his son so much. And then at one point, the son was just like, fuck you, daddy, I'm getting out. And then was poor, poor, poor. And then he only realized like, if you're creating so much limitation, you don't have, you're, you're, you're only in your sandbox. You're only that cookie cutter approach. Exactly. I, I'm, but I'm like paraphrasing this like story, but basically that's the essence. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally get it. You don't want to restrain somebody because at the end of the day, it'll make them regress faster than it will allow them to get back to doing what they want to do. And there's a difference between restraint and constraint also. A hundred percent. And, and I, I'm pretty happy we're going to this because this is one big lesson from like the skill acquisition course I've took. Like restraint, just like you need to have constraint to create a skill or empower someone to movement. And like, again, have those moments of like freedom of like, okay, cool. I could send it on like deadlift or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, do do the work here. Create the constraint, or live in that limitation for a bit, and then we're gonna go taste this. Exactly. Because because restraint like are very unmotivating. Yeah, it, it, that I mean, there's no other way to say it. Would you imagine doing the same fucking drill all the time, like just the same same drill? I couldn't. I would lose my mind. And I just and you know the. the horrible thing is, is I've had clients come to me who have been seeing another healthcare practitioner for months. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share a story that I've given away too much story. Um, yes. I had a client, sure. I had a client come to me who had been in a car accident and their, their hips, their back, their neck, their shoulders, absolute disaster. And they started seeing a physio. And at the start, they were doing all kinds of stuff. It was great. They were getting exercises. Uh, there was, you know, a little bit of progression. It was good. Then they hit this plateau. And over the course of the next three months, she went in two times a week. For oh, three months. no way. And over the course of these three months, the only thing that progressed was how long she was riding the stationary bike for. Still had the same pain. Wasn't the treatments were staying the exact same. And the only thing that changed was the amount of time she spent on a stationary bike. Okay, so before we dive into this, because I got so many questions. <laughs> do you do the same treatment more than once? Do I? Yeah. Good question. Uh depends on whether or not it's working. Okay. If, if the treatment that I provide, if we're seeing if we're seeing steady progressive results, then we're we're going to keep doing that um, to a point where it starts to slow down or plateaus, and then we switch up and we try something different to get past that little hump. I think, I mean, as long as it's working, if it if it's if it's not broken, why are you going to fix it, right? So if it's working, great. But as soon as you hit a plateau or things start to not progress at the same rate. You got to take a look at what you're doing and come at it with a different approach if you want to keep getting results. Otherwise, you're going to hit there 
And sometimes that means just referring out. I mean, you shouldn't be afraid to refer out if, if they're at a point now where you don't feel like you can help them, but you know somebody else can, right? There's nothing wrong with that. And that goes within our, you know, our, our um, um, lost your words, but it, it's a part of our practice, right? Client-centered care is the staple of what any healthcare practitioner should have, right? It should always be about the client. It shouldn't be about your own ego. As soon as your ego gets involved, people get hurt. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So, wow. So what you do, like, did, did, did you had progression with that client right away? Or did she, had, or did she had like, was, Russ was hard because like she's been doing the same fucking thing for three months. So it's, it's actually funny. She was a client of mine but she couldn't get into SEMA. Oh, fuck. So she had seen this person for a while. This was back when like the lockdown originally happened and the only- Which one? Uh, the first one or the second one? The first one, the first one. Yeah, so it, it was during that time where she could only see physio for a bit. And then when we opened up, um, I unfortunately, I couldn't get her into my schedule. Uh, so she had to go a little bit longer than she, she should have. Um, and so like the first thing I did when she came in, um, I just, I had her explain to me everything she was doing with her uh, other healthcare practitioner. And, you know, there, he was doing some stuff that was good. And it's stuff that I've seen done a lot of, a lot, uh, like dry needling. Um, they were doing a lot of cognitive work because she had a, she suffered a concussion. So they're doing a lot of cognitive therapy. And that aspect of the treatment was great. Like she was having really good results with that. That was fantastic. But when it came to, the actual chronic pains that she was having through her neck, shoulders, uh, lower back, hips, they kept doing the same thing over and over again. And they weren't really getting to the, the, the actual problem. They were just doing treating a lot of the symptom. Uh, and so I had her explain to me everything that they were doing and the process. Uh, and the first thing I did, because she initially, her low back pain was the issue. Her low back pain was really, really bad. So I said, okay, well, let's tackle the low back pain first because that's your biggest limiting factor right now. So I went through my, my assessment that I do for, for hips. I go through all range of motion. I get them to do uh, lunge and squat variations uh, to see at what depth their hips start to compensate. Um, and then I'm, the biggest thing I look for is actually their ability to internally and externally rotate the hip because that is a huge part in muscle activation with a lot of our stability muscles in the hip and it's funny on, though like before you it's so funny because like that's the first thing we lose from injuries any time of injuries for appendicular joints like for the shoulders and hip we're losing rotation <laughs> any spinal spine injury is going to lose flexion extension but we're going to be fine in rotation. yep, yep. so sorry i just wanted to plug this in no no 100 percent completely agree so we got working and because it, it was always more one side of her back. And as I was going through the hips, I noticed that there was a drastic decrease in her ability to internally rotate the hip on the same side. So it was her left, her left low back was always the issue. And her ability to internally rotate her left hip was severely limited. And her glute fire so the actual ability for her to um, activate her glute on the right side was significantly weaker so when i go to test her glute 
the first thing you'd see would, was her QL on her left side grab onto the hip and her whole hip would pop up off the table, right? So at that point, it's like, okay, the glute's not working efficiently, but the QL on the opposite side is. And what ended up happening was because she developed this sort of lopsided pattern, she was always favoring and turning to the right, which was putting a lot of strain along all the musculature on the left side of her back because she's constantly turned to the right, forcing the left to try and stabilize more efficiently. And so when I got her on the table, the first thing you'd see was her trunk was actually her comfortable, like her comfortable position was rotating to the right. And then when you got working into the hip, her left hip couldn't internally rotate. Yeah, so we worked on improving the rotation in her left hip and we worked on um, efficiently activating her right glute to balance things out. And within three weeks, she no longer had low back pain, right? It was taking just like this, this overall picture that she was describing to me and, and trying to plug in the missing pieces here and there and figure out what was going on. And then that's that nice thing of showing up to work every day, right? Like you're going on the hunt to figure something out. You're always, you're always looking, right? There's always something. That's why I say like, if, if somebody comes to me and they start explaining things to me and I look at them, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. That excites me. That, that makes me excited because it's something that I haven't seen before. And it's something that I can try and figure out. And if I can't figure it out, I'm going to find somebody else who can figure it out. So that way I know where to look next time for this kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right. I think there's a big power into the referring out pattern because like more you refer out more like, Hey, what did you do to help that individual out? Oh, this, exactly. this and this and this. Okay. Oh, good. Cool. That's what I did. That's what we were. And, but I forgot that this and that. And you're like, okay. So add that to the treatment or the idea of the treatment. Or the exercise too, right? Oh man, I'm so pumped. This gives me chills, dude. That is <laughs> sick. Cause like those are success stories that you're able to see, and you're like, yeah, fuck yes. As a massage therapist, we could work with movement more than like, I don't want to say more because physios and chiro do a lot of movement, but since we don't see a lot of movement per se, or people don't come in for movement more, they're more for like the parasympathetic approach, mm-hmm. and then you educate them on movement and like how things are firing up properly. And you're like, win for the team. Absolutely. And if you think about how our, like just the way our tissue is, right? There's multiple layers and each layer needs to be able to move in multiple planes of movement. And a huge issue with the way a lot of us, and and I'm guilty of it too, is being really sedentary doesn't it doesn't allow for that right wearing you know these super padded shoes with an extremely narrow uh, toe box and you know having all these weird contraptions like i don't know if you've seen that like that back brace that pulls your shoulders back for you i i get asked so many times what i think about that thing i I think it's absolutely ridiculous so Um, (laughs) i I agree because i think like if someone says like Oh, I was thinking of buying this. I'm like, good. All right, do it. But 
if you do, make sure you do some push-ups, some significant exercise, because like this is just a fucking tool. It's a it's a crutch. It's a bandage. It's like yo, even better. Don't because like having that crutch or that tool of like that back brace, it's like seeing a massage therapist three times a week. Exactly. It's it's a external way of trying to fix an internal problem when you're not willing to do what's necessary to fix the internal issue. Mm-hmm. Right? It's kind of like taking um, it's the buy once, cry once approach. I, I look yeah. at it like buy one, like and I don't want to say buy, like get your treatment right because if you keep if you're cheap and you're buying that back brace to fix your fucking posture, you're still going to have a shitty posture and posture, right? Like fucking posture. You're going to have, you're going to have weak muscles. That's what posture is. Poor posture is weak muscles. Yeah. You're just going to be a weak piece of shit. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to So I got a client and he was like, we've, we've been working a lot on his posture and like a bit more stability of the neck and the rib cage and shoulder. And I'm like, hey, hey, that's a great tool. But if you use it more than you do your exercise, it's not going to help you. Absolutely. And and I told him very bluntly, like, you could have it. I don't mind. It's cool. I have one. But I'm only going to wear it if I've been on a computer for eight hours a day. Just to, like, externally stabilize myself to be, okay, this is the position. Now I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to do the dishes with the, the, the back brace or whatever it is, the, the bow tie, they call it. I, honestly, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> and I'm going to use it for, for do the dishes, and now I'm going to go for a walk. Just like, okay, cool. This is the position I need to be on. Because I've been hmm. eight hours in the other position. Exactly. And there's a lot to be said about spending adequate amount of time in the opposite position that you spend, you know, the majority of your day, right? Like, we, most people will work for eight hours. You'll sleep for eight hours. So that leaves you however much long to do whatever you want. Um, but if you're spending like those eight hours of work stuck in a certain position, you be you should be spending a good amount of time trying to get yourself out of that position. Um, you know, when you can, because if it goes back to the whole use it or lose it principle. If you're only using certain muscles throughout the day. Those are the only ones that are going to get any stimulus. Um, and they're the only ones that are going to have any sort of change or adaptation. And if you're allowing for this, you know, air quotes, your poor posture, all you're doing is you're promoting these bigger, more dominant muscles to take over those smaller, more intricate muscles that we use to do the finer movements of things. And without proper stimulant to those smaller muscles, we become like these gremlins, right? Everything just kind of gets contracted and pulled in and yeah, exactly. My so, precious. Exactly, yeah, Gollum. Right? Even though Gollum's probably got better mobility than the majority of the population out here. Um. 100%, 100%. It's like, it makes me it makes me laugh because I'm thinking of that Jordan uh, Jordan and Brandon when they made that rant on like with uh, Brandon the oxygen guy. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that was a really good podcast. I really that was a that. really good one. It's like, you could drink that water with that lemon, but you know what you could do for five minutes? Fucking breed. Breed. <laughs> it's the same thing. Wear that fucking thing. But oh, you could also just move and that's gonna help you a lot. Exactly. Yeah. 
It's like when people say, oh, I'm always sore. How many days are you working out right now? How about taking a fucking rest day? Yep. Pro, like, and, and that's the thing about injury risk management and bringing back to this. It's like, how can you minimize that window to have no injuries or be as efficient as possible in a day-to-day activity? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, not, it's not what you can do more. It's what can you do less. Absolutely. And that's, honestly, that's a really good way of putting it because a lot of the times the stuff we do more of is the stuff we should be doing less of. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking bonkers, man. It's bonkers. So man, like just to to finish off, man, I've been enjoying this conversation in this rant. I'm like, we'll need to have another one soon because I think this has kind of just gone all over the map, but it's been fun. It's been really fun. It's cool. So man, how's the business been for you? Cause like, this whole thing because uh, I want to talk about business because I think mm-hmm. it, it's really a fine-tuned subject that like again like you mentioned like we don't see in school it's like okay just make sure your tax are filled up and then you're fine but they don't even really teach us how to do that <laughs> <Good point. laughs> um, uh, you mean like since the lockdown or like yeah since like Cause like you've been, you've been in practice, for, you were in practice for five years before getting told there's like, Hey, shut the doors. Uh, yeah. It's been five years. Well, if you graduate in 16, I'm trying to do yeah. math over yeah, here. Yeah. The like, end of 16. If it's not in pounds, if it's not in pounds and then not in 45s, I can't do math. Yeah. I'm, my math skills are subpar high school, grade, grade school level, actually. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, Business honestly has been pretty good. Um, during the initial lockdown, obviously, I think it hit everybody pretty hard, but I tried to just fill myself full of knowledge and information that I could then apply to you know my practice when I opened back up. And um, things have been surprisingly busier than they were before. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure if that's just because people have nothing else to do <laughs> or if uh you know the work i've put in is actually starting to pay off but um i really people like just want to see that beautiful hair and that beautiful luscious beard that's what it this is thing, this needs to get cut think about it it's 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 way too long <laughs> um, and it just it does not look good down anymore so i keep it up but <laughs> yeah i don't know business has been pretty good man and it's going in what i think is a really good direction I have a lot of big plans coming up over the next couple months that I'm really excited to put out there and let people know what's going on. Um, yeah. What about you in terms of business wise? Business, like very similar to you, man. Like, so during the first lockdown last year, this time I was like, okay, I got to put some stuff up just to say I'm still alive. Honestly. Yeah. Cause I'm not seeing clients. So I was putting some stuff online and when I opened back up in June, a lot of people came to me and they're like, Oh, I love your approach. It's more hands-on, more movement-based, more active, more dynamic treatment. And I'm like, Oh, Oh shit. Okay. So all this time I took to like stress over stupid videos on Instagram actually paid off. Mm-hmm. And that's the stressiest like moment of the day where I have to make a video and a, that to put on like the internet is the most stressful time of my day. I could talk to someone about posture and like rant about stuff for an hour. And then put it online, but recording it and then posting it, I'm like, ooh. Yeah. It's it takes it takes way more time out of my day than I like to admit to actually make a decent post. 
Dude, hundred percent. And that's a weird thing because you do that for eight hours out of your day without even thinking about it. And now you have to think about it. You're like, oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so it becomes a, a heavy task. Blue wire, what? Red wire, which one? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> You're just cutting both of them. Oh, dude. <laughs> blow the shit up. Uh, and and that's been like, actually, it actually really paid off. Uh, and then me had with my athletic endeavors. With like weightlifting, I got a lot bit more athletes coming up to me with massage therapy, which was really, really cool. That's awesome. And like a lot of like athletes, and and I, I'm gonna shout out my guy over here, Jordan. I've been working with Jordan Kilgannon a bit, the guy who dunks a lot. I don't know if you saw him. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've seen a few posts. Uh, so Jordan has been helping me in a lot uh, with my practice. How to get better with like massage therapy for athletes because I've been trying a lot of stuff with him or on him because mm-hmm. with the amount of athletes I was coming in, I was like kind of very surprised. I was a, that dude. Mm-hmm. Well, surprised. I was kind of surprised that like that much athletes were like, Oh, I want to go see another, an, an athlete pushing weights, treat me. And I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get my shit in my shit together. So I've been working with Jordan as a patient with like helping me figure out different strategies and technique and with the help of Killian too, like finding best way to like, de- again, decrease that window of injury. Absolutely. I think that's it's huge though, to have those people that you can experiment on. Right. Like I've, anytime I I'm trying something new, I'll, I have my clients who have been my clients for a long time and they're kind of my go-tos. It's like, Hey, listen, I learned something pretty cool. I just want to try it. I want to, you know, I want to see it. And it really helps to put that uh, theory on the paper per se, and like put it into your practice and see if it works, right? Like measure it, see, see if it works. It's, like that's the biggest stressful thing. Like, I came back to work, had like very similar to you, more knowledge and more ideas I wanted to do. And you, you cannot do that to a new client showing up for just a quick fix or like a relaxation treatment. You gotta scare them off the door right away. Yeah, I've honestly, I've really kind of steered away from those relaxation treatments. Oh, um, I just personally, I don't enjoy doing them. Um, not that there's anything wrong with them, not that there's anything against them, not that there's anything against therapists who do that kind of stuff. It's just not what I'm passionate about. It's just not what I want to do. Um, so I always try and make it like really clear. And I've had people come in and be like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. And I said, you know, I don't usually do this kind of stuff. I'd be more than happy to refer you to somebody who does, right? Because it's not, I'm not comfortable taking their money knowing that they will probably not be satisfied with the way I do things. So I'd rather be honest and upfront with them at the start and be like, this this is what I do. This is how I approach treatment. If you're still interested, fantastic. If you're not, I have no problem referring you to somebody else. I'd rather you get you know, the care and the treatment that you're looking for from somebody who does that kind of stuff, uh, rather than me just try and like push my way of treatment on somebody. Because nobody likes to be pushed. Nobody likes to be forced to do something that okay. they necessarily don't want to do, right? So it's... Uh, I, I, it has- I came to realize that a lot more, like since I saw a therapist this week, I was like, okay, I got to find people that are going to treat me the way I want to get treated. Yeah. And I, I've always said you need to find your therapist. Like you need to find your therapist 
somebody that you trust, somebody that you're comfortable with, somebody that you, you know, you can communicate with uh, on, on a, on a more of a deeper level, because that's when you're going to allow for the greatest change, right? If you're, if you're seeing somebody and they make you feel really uncomfortable and you're really kind of scared to open up and really let them do what they need to do, the effect, it's going to affect your treatment greatly. So, um, I've always said, like, if somebody's gotten a treatment for me and they come back and they say, Hey, listen, I hated it or I didn't like it. I'd be like, okay, no problem. I totally understand. Let's find somebody who can help you the way you want to be helped. Yeah. Right. I'd rather somebody be completely honest with me. Um, and you know, being a male in this profession, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you've been on the, on the side of this too. I've had people who have booked an appointment with me and have canceled because they found out that I was a male. Or a big dude. That's like, I open the door. Hey, I'm Pat. And they're like, oh. <laughs> and then I don't feel kind of comfortable. And I'm like, that's yeah. And that's totally understand. And like, I totally get it. And like, I want anybody who's listening, I want them to know that like, that's okay. Like, if you don't feel comfortable, don't do something you're not comfortable with, right? Any good healthcare practitioner will understand that. And they'll try and help you the best way that they can. Um, you should never feel like you have to do something that you're uncomfortable with. Hey, man, that's why I got, that's my, why I'm my own boss. I don't want to do shit. I don't have to do shit. I just want to do shit. Exactly. <laughs> man, so where can, like, let's close this off, but I really want to have another chat with you in a couple of weeks, couple of months. To 100%. See, see where you're at, see how skill acquisition is going because i think that's the big thing with podcasts right like oftentimes episode keeps going and then we don't hear about a guest or how they're going so and mm -hmm. then the idea with this show it's i obviously creating a community but also seeing growth in every uh co-host or guest okay. yeah no i agree I, and i I, lo I love what you're doing with the podcast i think this is it gives us a, a space to to chat right Yeah. Especially in a world right now where you having these in-depth conversations is, is quite rare, I find. Um, it, I mean, I, I enjoy picking your brain. I enjoy sharing information. I, I love to try and teach as best I can. That's what I love to do with my clients. Um, as much as we're, you know, a healthcare service, I think, you know, the more education you can give your client for long-term success, the better they're going to do and the more they're going to understand why you're doing certain things. And I love how you tie this on with like the beginning of this conversation, create education for your clients, man. Mm -hmm. And where can people find you? Uh, so I primarily am on Instagram um, at your 613RMT. Um, all my email and everything is on that page. Uh, but I am hoping. What's that, sir? You have a link tree? I do have a link tree, actually. Yeah, I just have to think about that. <laughs> yeah, here we go, man. Yeah, I've got a link tree on there. It's got all the different clinics I work at. Um, and then my email is directly attached to that page as well. So uh, you can DM me, you can email me. Um, don't ever hesitate. I'm always open for conversations. I'm always open for questions. Man, so on closing words, man, what do you want to say to people? Uh, the biggest thing I think I want to say to everybody is um, advocate for yourself. If you're not happy with your treatment, 
go to somebody else, go get a second opinion, talk to somebody else um, to get what you want out of your treatment and find somebody that works for you um, and find somebody that fits your style. That's, you know, that's the biggest thing I can, I can say to people.